Well, the Golden State Warriors finally signed a free agent of significance, and I want to know more about Dario Saric. So I decided to reach out to one of my colleagues, Locked On Thunder host Ryland Styles, who watched him play for at least half a season. We'll get his insights next. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow Ryland Styles, host of Locked On Thunder on Twitter, at Ryland Styles, And you can follow me, Cyrus Sotsis, on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow. And again, on threads at Dog Wild. That's where I'm going to be more and more active as time goes on. Uh, Ryland, great to see you, man. Nice to meet you, even though we worked together this first time. I think we've met. Um, how's life going for you? And uh, I guess before we get into Dario Saric, I'm going to answer some questions. But first, man, how's how's your day going, man? And I don't know if you saw that midseason tournament announcement. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it, day's going good. The Thunder had a great summer league game this afternoon. Always great to be on Locked On Warriors talking basketball. And the midseason tournament includes the Warriors coming to Oklahoma City uh during pool play so that's going to be a lot of fun in the same group do they announce like the, the actual dates and the travel and all that stuff not, not the dates uh okay. nor the tv broadcaster but it, it is going to be uh the warriors and spurs are coming to oklahoma city the thunder are going to sacramento and um minnesota i i don't know the full warrior slate but we do know like the matchups we just don't know when they're going to be uh, and where they're going to be broadcasted they are going to be every tuesday and friday in november except for election night that's the only night that they take off. But other than that, all throughout November, these games will be played on Tuesday and Friday uh, to determine who moves on to the to the actual tournament bracket. And, and I, I'm, I have not done my research, uh, my homework on the midseason tournament. I know the stats count for the players. Do the wins and losses count in the standings? Do you know that? Yeah. So so the in wow. pool play, the, these will just be a part of the 41, you know, 82 regular season home games, you know, 41 at home, 41 on the road. So it'll count as it always does, but it'll also count in moving on. So the best record in each group will move on to the actual tournament portion. Uh, and then from there, the best record in each group, the, the, the next two best records in the West and the East will also be added as wildcard teams into that tournament. And they'll play every game will count in the standings as a regular season game, except for the championship. So only one additional game is added to the season and it's only for two teams. It's for the championship. You win this little cup trophy, which looked pretty cool. And you get you get $500,000 per player if you win it. So a little incentive there, especially for the younger guys that'll be playing. Dude, half a mil is incentive. I, I know these guys are, these players are making millions, but it's a half a million, it's nothing to scoff at. Uh, you know they're going to still want it, even if it's just a give to, you know, one of their, whatever. Uh, regardless, um, it's interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you like the midseason tournament? I mean, I, I do like that it counts. I, I like that part of it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the midseason tournament as a whole? Yeah, I, I think that there's just no downside to it because it just adds a little bit of stake to games that were already being played. And especially right. for that portion of the schedule, the NFL still going on, college football still going on. And at times, you know, you have these casual fans that look at it and say, well, the NBA doesn't start until Christmas. 
But now with them playing them on Tuesdays and Fridays, there's no football on those days. With them being on Tuesdays and Fridays, and the fact that the, that the NBA wants to highlight these events as like marquee events, you would imagine that they're not going to be on second nights of a back-to-back. So all the stars are going to play, and, and it's going to be two nights a week. You can guarantee we'll have all the stars in the NBA playing. We'll have we'll have fully loaded rosters as long as everyone's healthy, and there will be no load management because, again, there's no point to do this on a second night of a back-to-back. So I think that that will change how they schedule November games since it's going to be on Tuesdays and Fridays. So I, I think that it just adds a little incentive. And then you go play that little fun Vegas portion of the tournament with an additional game for the championship. And it's just something cool. Like what if, what if a, a projectedly bad team gets hot in group play and then goes and wins the one and done portion of this tournament. And then their fans get to celebrate, Hey, we want a cup championship and it's going to end up being whatever we as fans make it. If, if the fans embrace it and the fans like think it's something cool, then it'll end up being cool. Uh, and if not, then it'll, it'll, you know, kind of, go away but i i think that this is actually going to be really fun there's there's no reason not to it just it just adds a little bit more juice to some overall ho-hum november games uh, and no, november is like such uh, outside of like the season starting it's such a slow part of the season it's it's it, you're like in a malaise almost no you've sold me i'm officially in I, the fact that it counts toward the, the overall record is is my selling point like at first i thought it was going to be an exhibition and i was like Who's going to care about this? But the fact that the wins and losses count is huge. Um, so thank you so much uh, for, for being an expert on the midseason tournament. That was not a part of the show I was expecting. I brought you on because Dario Saric, it was announced this morning by Adrian Wojnarowski uh, that he is going to be a member of the Golden State Warriors. This process lasted over a week. Uh, speculation was he wanted uh, more than the veteran minimum. Um, some speculation was maybe he wanted to play in Miami. Who knows? Whatever the, the reasons were for the delay, it's over. He's officially part of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they finally have a quote-unquote big. Um, you watched him play for half the season. The, the Oklahoma City Thunder traded for him from the Phoenix Suns. I guess first and foremost, I, why did they trade for him to begin with? What was the process for that? So the, the Thunder typically don't let guys hit restricted free agency, and Darius Baisley was coming up on that milestone. And the Thunder moved Baisley to, to uh, Phoenix and got a second-round pick, so they got kind of a sweetener to do that. Uh, and they and they brought back Sarch, who uh, you know kind of replaced Mike Muscala, who who they traded to Boston at the deadline to get more second round picks. So it was kind of a seamless fit there because Sarch's output was the same as Muscala's output. And so you, you move on from Baisley, you get a couple second round picks in the in the whole process, and you bring in Sarge for for a year. And as we see right now at the Thunder roster, uh, sitting at over twenty players, uh, their roster is chock full of guys, and they didn't need anyone who would last past that half of the season. So they were happy to see. Uh, Sarge kind of go as an unrestricted free agent. And in, in, in the meantime, the two were able to have a good partnership. So that, that's kind of the why that the Thunder uh, acquired him. Yeah, it's incredible how many draft picks your team has uh, as Presti at work. Uh, you know, anyone who follows the NBA knows he is a wizard when it comes to draft picks, personnel moves. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to uh, get into obviously Dario and who he is as a player. I'm trying to look through the chat to see if there's anything that's specific as a question. Um, the Blasian Warrior asks, uh, are, are these his nicknames? Is that true? Is he known as the homie and CC? Uh, well, everyone <laughs> in Oklahoma City, because it was it was only it was only 20 games, but in Oklahoma City, we called him Super Dario because that is like one of his official nicknames. All right. Uh, I don't I, I see the homie and CC listed on his official basketball reference page. So they're pretty stickler about it being an actual nickname. So I'll say yes, it is, but Super Dario was the one that uh, we uh, we kind of uh, went around in Oklahoma City. 
So Dario Saric as a, as a player himself, I just, my, look, he's been in the NBA for a, a surprisingly long time. Um, he turns 30 years old in April. Uh, what, what are your, like, what are your thoughts on him as an offensive player? Let's start there. Uh, what does he bring to the table uh, offensively? Yeah, I think that offensively, he's going to be a player that uh, is going to knock down some threes and he can get hot. Like there can be, a, there might be a game or two where he's just scorching it and in 15 minutes, 10 minutes has three threes and four threes and just kind of fills it up a bit to help your offense move. But at this point in his career, coming off of that ACL injury that happened in 21, 22, you can see it affecting his game a bit at this point. I think that he's less mobile than he used to be. And uh, I I would imagine that like he would be best suited for if the plan is for the Warriors to stagger Chris Paul and, and have him play sometimes by himself, that slower paced game that Paul might bring uh, pairing him with Sarge might be good, but yeah, offensively he has, he has a post-up game, which is pretty nice, but you're mainly going to look for him on the perimeter to knock down some shots. And, and hopefully of course he's hot that night and getting it done. He shot 39% from three last year with OKC and he shot, uh, you know, almost three attempts, uh, you know, almost three attempts a game in the, in the process. So uh, that's kind of going to be his bread and butter, I think. I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see him play. I have a lot more questions uh, with Ryan styles of locked on thunder who's joining me to talk about Dario Saric, the big free agent pickup. I know that's saying a lot, but for the Warriors, it is a big pickup. Uh, No pun intended. Uh, We'll have a lot more after I give some love first to Ibotta. Uh, I just recorded a show earlier today, and I feel like I'm in deja vu land right now. So Ibotta is all about making money. And in this day and age, look, some people are thriving. I feel like a lot more are not. So if you can save money, do it. And this is one opportunity. It's all about shopping and getting cash back. In fact, right now, you can actually just get five bucks just for trying Ibotta by downloading the app and using the code LOCK. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. I'll get into more of that in just a second. But look, if you're picking up burgers, you're picking up hot dogs, you're shopping for whatever, whether it's clothes, whether it's electronics, whether it's food, whatever it is, you can get cash back on those purchases just by using I bought it. They give you cash back on hundreds of grocery items. They give you cash back on clothes. The average I bought a user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't really amount to much. But with I bought it, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or even gift card. So again, right now they're offering five bucks back just for trying Ibotta. If you use the promo code LOCK, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register, again, go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCK. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, that's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen every day for the everydayers. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Dubs. This is where we announce uh, upcoming guests, show times, uh, and Kylan Mills will undoubtedly join me again soon to offer her perspective on the Warriors adding Dario Saric. You can follow uh, Ryland Styles. Ryland, again, I've been te- I told you this off the year before we started recording. I love your first name, Rylan. Uh, you can follow Rylan Styles on Twitter at Rylan Styles. That's R Y L A N S T I L E S. You know, going back to the to the chat real quick, I just want to uh, answer everyone's questions um, about Dario Saric. Uh, Niners Warriors 
is asking if Dario has that dog in him, the, the metaphorical uh, extra level of toughness, the grit, um, <laughs> or he also used the word cupcake that I feel like has, has been infamously coined by uh, Thunder fans when Kevin Durant left. What is your what is your uh, opinion of Dario Saric in terms of his inner strength, his mentality? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that he's a lot closer to dog than cupcake. I'll say yes. that. I, yes. I, I I think that with him, he he gives it all he's got, and he and he will battle you. He's not going to back down from anything. It's just that he has obvious obvious defensive limitations. Like last year, for example, that he was playing center for the Thunder, and the Thunder had clearly no size after Chet Holmgren was hurt, and so he was of course a little overmatched in that department. But uh, he was able to stand his ground and and, and be in the right position to make a play. But sometimes when you're playing center as an underside center, you can be on all the position you want to be in. Someone's going to score over you. And so I think that that is more so what happened last year at times for Sarge than just being soft or anything like that. I would say that he is up for the challenge and up for the fight every night. And he, every time he got the opportunity to play, he was ready to play. There was never a night in Oklahoma city. And again, it's only a 20, 20 game stretch, but there was never a night in Oklahoma city where he didn't show up that night whenever his number was called. Like, and that's hard to do for a veteran who got some inconsistent run with the thunder. Cause they were trying out and trying to play all these young guys. And so he stayed ready and was prepared. And again, I think that the biggest portion is he fought every night and he stood his ground and he provided some resistance uh, around the rim for the Thunder. Uh, maybe not, of course, in the shot blocking category, but in the shot contesting category, which was still an upgrade for OKC. You know, one of the, and first of all, I, I in, in every game I watched last year where the Warriors played the Thunder, uh, I don't remember him, Dario, getting much minutes when he was with the Suns, but when they, when they played the Thunder, I just remember looking at Dario thinking, why is he not on the Warriors? That seems like the, the perfect player for the Warriors system. Um, and, the, and, the, and I'm going to address as many chat questions as possible. But one question I have, the Warriors pride themselves on chemistry. Maybe they, they go even too far in that department in terms of being picky about the players they bring in. Uh, they felt that Dario would be a good fit there. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on Dario. Like, is he someone who needs minutes? Is he someone who needs the ball? Is he okay uh, maybe missing some games if it means the team's thriving from it? Uh, how is he as a, as a chemistry, a locker room type player? Yeah, I, I think that he's really impressive in that department, especially talking to him before games, after games. Uh, you know, even his exit interview, he had nothing but glowing reviews to say. And he was actually the first person to talk to us at exit interviews uh, on that day. He was the first one in the room after that loss to the Timberwolves in the play-in tournament. Uh, for, for him to come out there after that loss to Minnesota and, and have glowing reviews for this roster, for this organization, talking about how you would love to be back in Oklahoma City. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition, but he, he didn't owe the Thunder that that coach speak, so to say. He played 20 games here and right. an inconsistent an inconsistent role for him, too, to where he could have been upset about that if he wanted to be, and no one would have faulted a veteran like him for that because you can argue that you know he, he could have gotten more minutes because of his merit and his and, and his resume, but he understood the deal and he understood what it what it was about in Oklahoma City. And so for him to still be glowing about this franchise and this roster, knowing hey, I'm an unrestricted free agent, I'm probably not going to be back here, even though I kind of want to be, uh, or I wouldn't mind it. For him to say all those nice things at the end of the year kind of spoke to what we saw throughout that second half of this season, where he truly came in didn't pout that he got traded from the Suns to the Thunder or anything like that, who at the time weren't in the playoffs, but were hunting around that play-in and then eventually didn't make the play-in with him on the roster. You know, given that circumstances, I think that he's someone who will embrace the team culture, the team chemistry, and, and whatever role that Kerr and company give him, because I, I think that he also understands 
this is a great opportunity. Like this is probably, mm-hmm. you know, his best, this is his best shot to win a championship of his whole career uh, to join this team with this core. And so he understands to fill whatever role in and, and the young players talked about how, how helpful he was in that mm. short time too, which is, which is uh, very impressive as well, especially as the Warriors have a few young guys that uh, hopefully will continue to, to develop. Uh, yeah, and you're referring to, uh, I don't know if you're referring to Kaminga and Moody, that's what I'm guessing, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They're going to, and, and they, I imagine they're going to be playing more. So to have a veteran who will be, will be, will tolerate potential mistakes, you know, the, the learning curve, that's huge. Um, what, in your opinion, and I want to get to his defense in a second, but before I forget, uh, I want to ask this question. Why do you think Dario Saric, given everything you're saying is glowing, um, everything I've, I've done in terms of research shows me that this is an efficient player. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's uh, very effective as a three-point shooter, shot 39% last year, a good overall offensive player. Uh, I haven't gone to his defense yet, and maybe that will answer this question, but why do you think he's a veteran minimum player? Like, like why is he not uh, earning more money in the NBA? Yeah, I think that it goes back to that ACL injury where right now his best role defensively is as a drop coverage pick and roll big. And a lot of teams have that role filled already for one. And then for two, with that being said, if that's your best asset when it's the playoffs and it's possession by possession basketball and you try to exploit any little weakness that you can, it might be easy to play him off the floor a little bit if you can draw that matchup or you might only get to play him in certain spurts where against some teams that play maybe a five out style, maybe maybe he can't play at all against that certain series. So it's just a luck of the draw at that point of if you can even use this guy uh, for that 16 game run that you need to in the playoffs uh, or is he an 82 game player or is or is he even not that? Do you need to load manage him? Like there's there's a lot of question marks about what exactly he is at this point. And I think that that's part of why. Uh, maybe you can consider this a prove-it deal with a title-contending team uh, that he can kind of fit into to what they're doing here. Sorry, I was muting myself. Uh, we're joined here by Rylan Styles, host of Locked on Thunder. You can follow him on Twitter at Rylan Styles. And obviously, uh, if you're a Thunder fan or interested in the Thunder, go check out Locked on Thunder. And I want to ask you about the Thunder at the end of the show, but what, how, in your opinion, Dario Saric, uh, the defender, um, the Warriors, uh, uh, when it comes to defense, there it's a very team-first philosophy. Uh, you hear this this phrase uttered repeatedly. They they play defense on a string, uh, meaning their defensive identity is based largely on a, a, a team-first mentality where everyone's backing each other up. Switch heavy. I imagine Dario Saric being switched on a fast guard will, would not bode well. Um, but generally speaking, how is Dario Saric the defensive player? Is he a shot blocker? Uh, is he lacking your thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't consider him a shot blocker. And I also like, I wouldn't consider him a perimeter defender. I think he's just a technically sound defender. And yeah. I, I think he's really a net neutral. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he, that he's a negative because there are ways you can make him a neutral versus a negative for the thunder. For example, like I said, drop coverage in the pick and roll where you funnel everything toward him because the thunder had to make up for that size advantage or disadvantage where they would just collapse everyone onto the big man or onto whoever entered the paint and then would rely on their youthful athleticism to spray back out if they did kick the ball to the perimeter and contest those uh, shots. It's why the Thunder gave up so many open corner threes is because sometimes you're late to do that, and that's just the right. nature of the beast whenever you're trying to play that style of basketball. So I think it's a little bit unfair uh, for Sarge in the sense of grading him on that scale because most teams in the NBA won't play that way defensively. Right. Uh, but with what you're saying is, is I would worry about having to switch him onto the perimeter. I, I would like him more as a guy who plays that small ball five in his minutes where he can just play pick and roll coverage and drop down to the rim. Uh, but 
he has the length to get out there and contest mm. a corner three. So like maybe if you use him as a guy who, who bounces from the paint to protect the corner three, then back to the paint to, to protect the rim or in the pick and roll or whatever. And like I said earlier, I, I think that he will be technically sound of contesting shots at the rim. Uh, he might not get a lot of blocks, but he'll contest them. And uh, sometimes it'll work out. And sometimes you just get uh, the ball dumped over you against the bigger matchup. So uh, th that's kind of what you expect from Sarge. I think that the best way would be a net neutral. I don't think he'll be an overly positive player. I also don't think he'll be an overly negative player. Um, but net neutral for him, especially with the three-point shooting he gives you on the other end. But that, that's kind of a gist of his defense. No, I, and, and honestly, I like what I'm hearing. I mean, I, I was expecting it much worse from you when I asked that question, so that's encouraging. How is he uh, at crashing the boards? Is he a good rebounder? Yeah, I, I think that it's another one where, like, he doesn't he doesn't just, like, gobble up rebounds, just like he doesn't just swat a ton of shots. Uh, he, he had three rebounds a game last year. Right. And it was more so rebounds where – he was the one that was down there for OKC. And also he was the one that understood how to box out <laughs> where like the Thunder were mainly relying on guards and forwards on the floor with him. So like they didn't really get to box out or weren't in position to box out. And he was, so either he got three rebound on the box out and sometimes he'd box a guy out. He did all the hard work and then someone else came and got the rebound. So like technically mm. speaking, he didn't get a rebound, but if you actually watch the game and not the box score, he created a rebound for OKC by not actually hauling one in. So I think that that's kind of how I would grade his rebounding thing. I wouldn't expect double, you know, a double double every single night, but he'll do things to impact the glass for sure. Uh, for sure. Oh, I love everything I'm hearing here, man. Uh, the only last, the, the one last question uh, regarding uh, Dario that I'm seeing from the chat uh, is Niners Warriors asking about how he plays with superstars when he was with Phoenix last year. Um, I've read, I haven't seen much visually, but I've read. Uh, that him and Chris Paul were were fantastic together in terms of uh, running the pick and roll. Uh, so they're going to be back together again with the Warriors. And then obviously you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a phenomenal player. Congrats again on win winning uh, the, the figurative lottery there by landing him in, in one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. Uh, so in your opinion, how does Dario mesh with superstar level talent? I think that he's a really good complimentary piece because he can finish at the rim. Like it's not as though he's, he's inept there as some players are even at his size. Sometimes players can't finish at the rim, uh, but he really compliments them because of his three point ability and his floor spacing ability. Plus his mid range shot too. Like, like for example, with SGA, SGA gets downhill, gets at the rim. Almost every single possession is one of the best driving kick guys in the league. Uh, and of course, draws a lot of fouls because he's at the rim so much. Uh, and so Sarge was always there for him to uh, be the beneficiary of those drives and, and, and kick out to him for a three as the defense collapsed, because especially for a team like the Warriors, te teams are going to have to pick their poison. Like you can, you can play Sarge in certain lineups with the Warriors where the defense just can't give him attention like at all. And if you do that to a 40% three point shooter, they're going to make you pay. And Sarge is one of those guys that are, is going to make them pay uh, if he's able to play in those lineups that we're talking about here. So I think that that would be how you utilize him um, you know, with, with the Warriors, you know, a guy that that was able to shoot, uh, you know, 83% at the rim last year and 40% from three. You can see we're using him in the dunker spot. We're using him, you know, corner three or above the break three around your superstars who have to demand the attention from the defense can really put them in spots to succeed.
There you go, folks. Uh, I, I, I'm loving everything I'm hearing. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for, for what I'm, I interpret as positive news uh, in regards to Dario Saric, uh, the newest member of the Golden State Warriors. You know, um, and yeah, Niners Warriors, I agree. I'm pumped. I'm really pumped because I feel like he's exactly the type of big the Warriors were looking for, and they thankfully landed him. Um, switching gears to your team, the OKC Thunder, uh, and this is very relevant, I think, for Locked On Warriors, given um, the Thunder last year, I think, surprised a lot of folks making into the play-in. Um, they're only going to get better, in my opinion, because they're an incredibly young team. I'm looking at their starting five right now, where you got SGA, Josh Giddy, who's I, that kid. I have no idea what his ceiling is. He could be a superstar. He could also end up just being a very good role player. Who knows? Uh, and then Dor, Jalen Williams, and Chet Holmgren round out your starting five. If I'm accurate, uh, what what do you look? I'm I'm not happy personally that the Thunder are getting this good this fast, but they're good. I, I can't slander your team at all. Um, what are you expecting for the Thunder this year? I mean, are, are they going to be like? A, are they good enough this soon to be a legitimate contender? Do you see them just maybe? rising up and maybe a goal being not to get in the play in and to qualify flat out. Um, what are your thoughts on your team this year, man, given how things have gone in the off season? It is so interesting because the thunder last year made that huge jump to 40 wins, you know, and, and, and you know, I think that you are what your record says you are, especially in an 82 game season, but there were games that they could have capitalized on, but they were just a young team and didn't. There were also games where like beating the warriors where on paper, they shouldn't have won that game, but they did because you know, they just got lucky that night and, and, and kind of put it all together that night. That was actually one of the more impressive wins of the season to battle off a few warrior runs in the Paycom center. But you all know that for this season, you take that leap that they had last year and, and you see that SGA was like legit, a top five NBA player last year, first team all NBA top five MVP voting, all that good stuff. You see that the Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara was like a legit, awesome player. And then you add Chet Holmgren to it, who we're a year removed away from calling him generational, uh, right. which which he no longer needs to be. Like that takes pressure off of him in such a big way. Where like a year ago at this time, if you if you thought about what you thought of the Thunder, could SGA be number one? Like, is he really an All Star, like a number one overall player on the I roster? So. Like, I think so. like that's what you thought about a year ago. Now there's no longer any question. You know, and, and so with Chet Holmgren, that takes some pressure off of him to succeed. Uh, right away he can just kind of play his role and play his style of basketball uh in in this season they also brought over Vasily Micic who is a EuroLeague MVP two-time EuroLeague MVP two-time EuroLeague champion uh, right. and, and can really steady the ship for OKC for a really young team that's played in huge games uh, overseas uh Kaysen Wallace had a brilliant summer league debut tonight uh, knocking you down six threes a team that needs shooting uh, so if he can actually keep that up in the NBA season that'll be awesome as well so like they've added so many pieces that uh, you feel like this team has to improve despite being so young. I think that it gets tricky when you're talking about contention because it's two different levels of contention where I think that the Thunder, right. the Thunder right. are good enough. Like they're good enough to have a Kings like run where they're like a top three seed in the West, even though it's a very tough Western conference. And I say that not because of like boasting the Thunder's horn, but because they're one of the few teams in this tough Western conference that I think will be playing every single night, won't take nights off, won't load manage, won't, like, right. they care. Like, there's a lot of Western Conference teams that couldn't care less about right. these 82 games. That's true. They're, yeah. they're, they're waiting until April. They don't care what's going on. These guys really care every night. Uh, and, and so that gives them a boost in terms of their overall regular season win total. That gives them a boost because I, I guarantee you that they will care for 82 games. And, and, and so in that way, I could see them being – a top half of the West team, despite on paper, maybe you would favor some more star you know, laden teams than, than the young depth of Oklahoma city. But I also am a believer that 
you got to go through the experiences. Like you've got to go through trials and tribulations in the postseason before you're a contender. Uh, as much of, as it would be a storybook, the Thunder, no matter how good they are this year, are not going to be hoisting the Lombardi, you know, the Larry O'Brien Trophy, especially not the Lombardi Trophy, but especially not the Larry O'Brien Trophy either. Uh, <laughs> yep. You know, in their first playoff run, like, like last year was great. The, the Pelicans play-in game had was back and forth and was awesome. You got trounced a bit by the by the Timberwolves in the second one. You know that was great experience, but that wasn't even a series. Like the, the Thunder have never played a series of basketball. They've never they've never had a game plan for somebody. Like the right. Thunder head coach Mark Dragon tells you right up front, we don't game plan for our matchups. We we game plan internally for what we need to work on. That's the stage Oklahoma City's in. So they've never experienced game planning before. They've never experienced you know uh, another team aiming for every little weakness that they have in the course of a seven-game series. They have a head coach who's never had to make adjustments before in, the, in a playoff series. So are they a championship contender next year? No. But I think that they're a contender to be a Kings-like team that, that actually does leap into the actual playoffs, which does impact the rest of the NBA because that means somebody has to move down. If the, if the Thunder move up, at least one team's got to move down. So then you then you move down from the playoffs to the play-in or the play-in to out of the playoffs in general. So I think that that's kind of more so the contention for the Thunder next year is just spoiler alert into the into the party. And then you you, you suffer either a massive first round win or a massive first round loss or whatever. And then the next year, the next year after that, that's when you start becoming like actual contenders. You get that taste and you see what needs to change. And last note on this, this is such a young roster that everything looks incredible right now. Like J-Dub looks awesome. Josh Giddy looks awesome. Playoffs are a whole different game. And like some guys right. are going to rise to the occasion. Lou Dort. 30 points you know, in, in, his, in his game seven of his rookie season of the playoffs. In the playing against the Pelicans, he had the best game of his season. Like He's a guy that rises up to that occasion. There's also going to be young guys who we like in Oklahoma City a whole lot that don't rise to the occasion and that aren't playoff players. They're 82 game players. And so we've got to learn those lessons too. So that's why, even though I'm very excited about what Oklahoma City is, they're not championship contenders yet. They can just have a dang good season next year. Absolutely. I mean, look, and you didn't even bring up uh, Rudy Gay, who might be the difference in you winning a champion. I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, but no, I, I love what your team's doing. I, I totally agree with you with the parallels uh, uh, between them and the Sacramento Kings in terms of just making that leap. And you're absolutely right. Teams do not just achieve success immediately in the postseason. That is where the true learning curve uh, presents itself. Um, it's a different beast. The playoffs is just a different beast. Before I let you go, Rylan, I love getting different perspectives. What is your feelings about this Golden State Warriors team? Are they a championship contender? Are they too old now? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Warriors, man? Yeah, I think that it's it's always going to be tough to bet against this Warriors team because you know last year, of course, they you know you you've documented the the road woes and everything that went kind of wrong for them. They still have those guys, like they still have. Steph Clay Draymond. I will say the window is getting smaller and smaller and it's, and it's, it's closing. I don't think it's closed yet because I think that we saw in the playoffs what Steph Curry was able to do. And I, and I don't believe that, that Clay Thompson is, is over the hill as some people try to kind of push too soon. I think we're trying to push him out too soon. Uh, that's just my <laughs> opinion on the ordeal. Like we're trying to end Clay Thompson uh, way too fast for my liking. So I think that they are what I would consider championship contenders. Like what, and for, and for me, the way that I do that is just like, would I be just jaw dropped if they are the ones in June that won the championship? I wouldn't be. So then, no, then you're exactly, a contender yeah. to me. And Absolutely. so I think that they're still a contender right now. And I still really like, you know, Kaminga and Moody and, and these guys uh, for, for Golden State. And I think Chris Paul is, is a guy that like maybe he and maybe wisely he won't make a regular season impact because maybe you're going to nurse them and, and load manage them and, 
and protect him. But come playoff time, he's a guy that, that you can pass the baton to. And maybe you literally start him, but then stagger him into where he's playing more bench minutes than starting minutes. But like, he's a guy that can help you level uh, the ship. And, and, you know, Steph Curry might explode for a, a 20 point, 10 minute stretch and build you a, a 10 point lead. And you feel safe enough to say, okay, Steph, come get a breather. We're going to put Chris Paul in. We're not going to lose the 10 point lead. We might actually build on it. And I think that that will add an element, you know, and a dynamic to Golden State that, that will help them be improved upon from what they were last year. Yeah, I, it's well, look, everything you said today is music to my ears. Um, thank you for the fantastic news. Uh, I hope you're correct about everything you said. Would not surprise me if you and I are hosting a crossover show in April. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me either if the Thunder were the higher seed. It really would not because uh, because the Warriors might very well easily just load manage this this regular season and then hope for the best uh, come April. Ryan, man, I can't thank you enough, brother. Anything you want to promote before uh, we call this a wrap? And just go check out Locked On Thunder. You have some episodes recapping big Sarich games if you if you are interested in listening to those. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, man. The, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you, sir. Uh, and everyone else, we're, if you're a member of Dub Nation, I think you should be stoked with this signing. So, Ryland, thank you, man. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we'll be back at this soon. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye!